our television guy says we're ready to go. Okay. So. Let's call to order the City of Centerville Planning and Zoning Commission meeting on this Tuesday, December 5th, 2023, time is 6.30. First order businesses, roll call, Mark. Commissioner Broussard Vickers. Here. Commissioner Thompson. Here. Commissioner Kruger. Here. Commissioner Olson. Here. Commissioner Nelson. Here. And number two, we're going to move on to the Pledge of Allegiance. So everybody can stand. Stay with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, number three, approval of agenda. Mark, is there any additions or changes? We do not have any changes to the agenda, no. I know, Linda, you kind of voiced. Well, I just said, when we were up. talking about, because aren't we going to talk about it? Yeah. yeah. It's on number yeah. new business. Okay. Yeah, you can certainly um, move, something up. move something up if you wanted to yeah. hold on your appointment. Yeah. Did you want to move it up? Yeah. I think we should move the recommendation of the candidate up to number one. Just because. You need a motion on that one? Yeah, if you just get a motion to approve the agenda as amended. Take a motion to approve the amend the agenda as amended. Agenda. Second. All those in favor, signify saying aye. 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 Motion carries. So with that said, do we wanna make a recommendation? Yeah. Do we need a vote on that one? Yeah, we should have a yeah. motion and a vote. Um, I make a recommendation that we um, request City Council to approve Don Kalina as the newest uh, DNZ commission member at their I'll next that. meeting. All right, second. Um, mm -hmm. All those in favor, signify aye. saying aye. 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 Motion carries. Very good. Okay, there will be no public hearings tonight. Nope. No awards or presentations or appearances. No old business. So, move on to new business. And the first thing we'll talk about is the calendar review for meetings in 2024. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mr. Chair, um, you know, each year, inevitably, one of our Tuesdays falls on some sort of <coughs> strange day. Um, so I just wanted to have us take a look at this draft calendar and see if there's anything concerning. Um, the January 2nd one most immediately here, you know, is the day after a holiday. I don't know if anyone has any concerns uh, on on that one. I'd, I'd like to keep it where it is. It just, I think we hopefully will have a concept plan for the Lalonde property um, coming before us uh, on that date. Um, and then I believe the... August one um, typically falls on National Night Out, uh, which uh, on the 6th there, that's always a bit of a, it's not a national holiday or necessarily a recognized holiday. We can certainly do city business on that night, but I know a lot of people are wanting to be in their neighborhoods and having um, that experience, so we can certainly move that, except that normally our kind of our standard way to move an agenda or a meeting is to move it back one week because Typically, planning commissioners have Tuesdays available, and so we keep it on a Tuesday. But uh, the next Tuesday, we have these little octagons in there because we have these things called election dates. And so, because 2024 is a 
2020 uh, presidential election. We've got some interesting um, primaries involved here. And so not only in February, but also in August, we have a primary election on that date, and we cannot have a meeting on that date for sure. So if we were to move the August date, it would have to either be um, back a day to the Monday the 5th or um, pick another date there, but you can see that our little hmm. icons have a lot of pretty Stuff jumbled, pretty jumbled up there, yeah. Um, now, we can have it on a Thursday. Those are just uh, Main Street Market nights, but um, obviously we can't have it the same day as the Parks Committee because we have the room, room is full. So, and then I think... I think it was a July one too, wasn't it? Yeah, September. Um, July is on the... July. July is the yeah. day before. Uh, two days before, I guess. Mm -hmm. Two days yeah. before. Yeah. So that, you know. And again, Labor Day. That, that could be moved if we chose to. Um, September, again, the day after Labor Day. Is that a concern? And then November, again, we, we've already taken the liberty of moving that one for you back one week because of the election there. So, any number of meetings? I don't know if you want to go one by one or... Um, you want to do that? Um, one um, by one. How about January? I'm... I'm okay on the second or the ninth. It doesn't really matter. My only thought on the second is that you guys usually have a whole business day to get stuff going, and that would be your Monday. So I don't know if that would change how you need to get prepared, especially with the week before being. Yeah, it's more the week before that's the challenge because yeah. that's the packet put together, mm -hmm. which is a more more of a busy time than the mm -hmm. week leading up to it. Um, we've already told developers and everybody that. You know, deadline's going to be moved up a week just because of that. Okay. Um, so we're comfortable with whatever you guys choose. The ninth would be fine as well. I don't have a conflict on either day, so. I'm good the second. Second would be fine as well. Yeah, it's fine with me. Second's fine with me. Okay. Leave so that one. Keep that one. We can kind of just take an informal notes here, and then we'll make a motion at the end to <coughs> the entire calendar if you don't mind doing that. Okay. How about February then? February seems like it should be fine. Mm-hmm. That would be on the. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mention March. March. We've, we've taken the liberty She's of moving that back. Yeah, yeah, the election this year, I don't understand at all. <laughs> okay. we got all sorts of primaries and stuff. But. Mm -hmm. So March, you're looking at moving it to the 12th? Okay. Yeah. Oh. I think we have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. we to move it at somewhere, so. The yeah. only time it becomes a problem is if uh, kids have uh, spring, break. spring break. Yeah. I don't know what Centennials is. I could certainly try to look that up if you guys want to move, move forward there. They, they may have that out already. I'm sure they do. I don't think they have. As a father of school-aged children, well, I can tell you. I think, yeah, because being involved with the PAC, we have, in the troop, we have kids from both Forest Lake and Centerville mm -hmm. for Centennial, and their weeks are one right after the other. Okay. While he's looking up June, how about July 2nd, anybody? He's... I wouldn't mind it going to the ninth. Yeah, that'd be better. How about if we do the ninth? Yeah, yeah a lot of people are on that week. Okay, so go to the ninth. And then September certainly makes sense since that's also a lot of people. Well, no, I suppose cool. Yeah, well, school's already in back. session by then. Or yeah. do by they, that. they start actually that's right, right that's around? They start that day. Yeah, they normally they do. Yeah. So I'm okay with the third or the tenth in September. Doesn't really. Oh, we skipped Can we back to August for a second. I'm, 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 Let's go back to August. I'm going to be 70 on August 13th, and I might not be here. 
because I might have March, a we're moving it well, to the 12th. Well, we'll probably all be there, right? too, won't we? So, so Mr. Chair, March, um, I am looking at the calendar. We'll all be at the party if it's on the farm. <laughs> March Sorry. is what? March uh, the 12th is spring break, so if that matters to people. Mm. Um, How about the 5th? Monday. I mean the 4th. Monday the 4th? Monday the 4th is an option. I'm okay on Monday the 4th. I'm fine with that, too. Me, too. Okay, Monday the 4th. That's March, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. April. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Second's good. June. May. Seventh is good. Mm -hmm. Yep. June. Okay for me. Fourth. Yep. And we're okay. okay with that one. Yep. Is August sixth National Night Out? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's. Let's finish <coughs> July first. Let's see. July Are we going to push back to the 9th? Mm -hmm. Special X is the following week, right? July 9th. Right. July mm -hmm. Yeah, July 9th. Mm -hmm. How about August? Do you want to move up a day and go to the 5th on Monday? Well, I think that National Night Out's a good thing and well attended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have well, no issue with going to the 5th on for August. You what? I don't have any issue with August 5th if we went that day instead of the 6th. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay. 5th? September, we're okay with the third, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. School's gonna be starting at that yeah. time anyway, so we're all we all should be here. Yeah. October. That's good. Uh -huh. okay, that's the first, right? Yeah. Everybody done with that one? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, November twelfth. Twelfth. We'll go to the twelfth. Oh, because mm -hmm. the fifth is election, election day. Mm -hmm. When's Veterans Day? Eleven. Eleven. The day before. And the Marine Corps birthdays on the 10th. Yeah. Were you in the Marines? Hell yeah. So I wouldn't have mentioned it if I hadn't have been. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, the third. Remember we're doing There's a dog in between third you Third is good. <laughs> I was in the Army. Okay. December. Third. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I think we're set. Huh? So I think um, I saw Afanasia writing notes down here. I think uh, January 2nd, February 6th, March uh, 4th, Four. August 2nd, April. May, I'm sorry, April. April 2nd, May 7th, June 4th, July 9th, mm -hmm. August 5th, mm -hmm. September 3rd, October 1st, November 12th, mm -hmm. and December 3rd. Yeah. With those notes, then we would take, uh, Mr. Chair, I think it would be appropriate for a motion. So I want to make a motion. Don't see how easy it is the way we compromise and everything. <laughs> make a motion. I will move <laughs> the uh, 2024 calendar as, what do I say, as the date stated? As amended. As amended. I second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Motion carries. Mr. Chair, just as a point of note, make sure to call for additional discussion after the second. Okay. Um, All right, moving forward, new business review of guiding documents. That's a pretty broad topic, huh? Yes, yes very broad. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, um, struggle a lot with where to take this. There's a sort of a chicken and egg thing here. Um, you know, the council is planning a retreat for February, and um, we'll be doing some goal setting 
we had we had hoped to do that goal setting in the late fall. Um, and of course, unfortunately, the tragic passing of Mr. King um, put a wrinkle in that schedule, and so we're back to more of a traditional um, goal setting time frame, which has been February. But we we were hoping to do it a little bit ahead of time. But uh, again, we're back on kind of that more traditional schedule, and it's always um, you know again like I say a chicken and egg thing. Does it Council would love to hear input from the Planning Commission, the Parks Commission, the EDA about where the committees see their um, interests you know, in, the, in the coming year, what, what kind of issues do we think are coming ahead of us so that we could discuss those at the retreat. And I'm sure the committees usually tell me, well, we'd love to hear from the council on where they think that we should be taking our, our lead. So um, I think we'll do a little bit of both. We'll do a little tag team here. and. Um, just hoping to get a, a very broad discussion tonight about a few things uh, that I'll walk you through. And so see if we can't give the council a little feedback heading into their retreat. And then I think we'll come out of the retreat from the council with some, hopefully some guidance to each of the three committees on where the council is hoping that they would spend their energies. Um, and Mr. Koski can certainly chime in if you've you got any other thoughts. Russ, I, I hopefully I kind of summarized what the chicken and egg issue can be. And <coughs> Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I think um, it's always nice to have share ideas, right? And where everyone is kind of coming from, their thinking, and you know, the more minds and, and uh, um, thoughts that we have, the better to me the outcome and the product of it all. So, um, you know, we meet in this group once a month, the council meets a couple times a month, and you really don't get enough time face to face time and share. We can read emails and do all that other stuff, but sitting in the same room or whatever and sharing some thoughts is always a good thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think if we can do some of that and, and especially in our planning uh, stages, that'd be great. So I'll, I'll try to, you know, I don't have a formal outline here necessarily, but what I'm going to, what I, what I try to do is I took the comp plan and, you know, it's a lengthy document, but I, I, I boiled it down a little bit to um, some of the goals and policies and things around revolved around land use a little bit more. There's some more technical sections of the compound that I left out, you know, sewer and water type stuff, uh, even parks type things. And so I tried to just have us focus on um, housing and um, land use type issues. And so notably in the, in the um, comprehensive plan is a, a set of uh, goals and policies. And um, I guess you, actually before I get there, I, I did leave a couple pages in just on some sort of background information that I thought was, was interesting to frame our discussion. Um, so maybe I should even back up a little further here. What we're looking at here is the comprehensive plan. It's the document that this body largely authored back in 2017 and adopted uh, by the council in 2018. It's required by the Met Council. The Met Council has jurisdiction as the planning authority for the region. Um, we are part of that area that is governed by the Metropolitan Council and um, so we're required every 10 years to um, put together a comprehensive plan um, and it, there's a giant checklist of things that have to be in there um, and we went through and checked all those boxes as we put this together so there's some things you might think uh, this is kind of shoehorned in here why, why is this statement in there or that but and sometimes it's because there's a requirement to have that something like that in there and you know, just thinking out loud uh, there's a section in there about solar availability, not, you know, don't make your uh, land so, such that you can't put any solar panels up. Uh, 
somebody thought that was a good idea to put in there, you know. And so there's there's some things that are a little, you know, again, shoehorned in there. But um, for the most part, you know, it's a great idea to have a comprehensive plan. You want It's the one-stop shop for where is this city going. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, what's the vision for your city? You would point them to this plan and say, this is what we're, we're going to do. So it's important that we get this right and that, um, you know, every 10 years is a long time uh, between stops. And so we're at about the five-year point, even though it's sort of the 2020 comp plan. Um, it's really was done in 2018, and so we're five years plus out from that. Really, we wrote it in 2017 mostly, so we're almost six, seven years out. So when you start to think about that and you start to read this a little bit, you go, well, some of this stuff starts to feel a little outdated and um, maybe we ought to update this a little bit. So I think that's one of the things we'll, we'll talk about here is maybe that there needs to be a formal update to this plan. That's not uncommon um, for cities to do that. So um, just a little bit of background that this that the, is included in the comp plan is just the demographics of our city, if you're not familiar with some of the sort of vital statistics. You see here that we have um, about 1,400 homes in town. Uh, the 2016 total there was 1,357. We're closer to 1,400 now at this point. Um, mostly single-family detached. Some uh, townhomes, we don't have any manufactured housing development in our town. Um, a very few number, a small number of duplexes and triplexes. And um, multifamily, you see there at 8% of our total of, at 108 units. And really most of that is tied up in the Chauncey Barrett um, facility there where we have a senior um, apartment building, I think, that has, uh, Dick, what do you think? There's uh, 55 units in the one building? And uh, we've got, uh, I think it's uh, 53 total between the buildings. 53 between the two buildings? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, you know, over about half of that is tied up in one building. Um, and so, and that, that's a unique partnership there with the county HRA to have built that and managed that. So it's a, uh, I don't want to call it a subsidized building, but it, it's um, it's not just sort of a market rate, uh, you know, private, uh, privately held thing. So um, I, I think um, the age of our housing units, you can see the graph there. I know it's hard to read from that distance, but uh, essentially the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, we, we built most of the town. <laughs> Um, this town is 150 plus years old, but that doesn't mean that we're 150 years old. Most of us, most of the homes, housing stock here is really only about 30 to 40 years old. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of an important <coughs> demographic uh, part here. We, we do have affordable older housing, but we also have a, a large component of um, sort of suburban, modern suburban housing and development styles. Um, you see the, the owner-occupied statistics there, um, where we're heavily owner-occupied, um, very few renter-occupied, and um, you know, the vacancy numbers were obviously um, a little skewed by the economy at the time, too, so we're, I think we're probably much lower than that in our vacancy rate at this point in time. Yeah, Bruce? One more question. <coughs> so, as we look at this, this is a snapshot in time. Yeah. But from this, should people assume that this is where the city wants to stay? 
or is this simply just a snapshot in time? This is simply a snapshot in time to give you some background information okay. on where we're at. Um, I'm sharing you as we go here, kind of sharing my thoughts on if this <clears throat> information is still valid. Like, like I just mentioned about the vacancy, mm -hmm. that's probably outdated. Um, you know, some of the age of the housing stock, that's pretty static, right? Because you can just project forward. Um, but yeah, I'll try to kind of update you on some of this information. And I didn't put up too much in here. I just wanted to kind of give you some background information just because you don't always sit and think about it. Well, I wonder yeah. what the age of our housing stock is. I wonder what's our, how many rentals do we have in town, that kind of thing. So um, commercial residential building permits is, um, that graph is all over the place at this point now the, with the commercial we put up since 2015. That, that graph would be way out of scale at this point. Um, the land use map here, uh, sorry, I thought maybe uh, there was a pie chart. Did I skip over the pie chart? Uh, it's after this. It's after that. No, okay, it's sorry. the next Very good. two pages. Uh, I'll skip over the map quickly here just to come back to it. But um, So more. this is... This is the um, sort of the breakdown of types of development. Um, again, much of our area um, in acreage is um, sort of residential in nature. Although we do have a lot of you look at you know open spaces, park, park, um, water. A lot of our city is water. Um, you can see very little retail and other commercial. Twenty-eight acres. You know now that that's probably um, a bit more than it was, um, and obviously we have the still a fair amount of agricultural stuff. We're probably down to 100 acres, whatever, Linda's, I think you have 110 in Centerville, um, your property. Yeah, there. I get, um, maybe, a, maybe 100, I can't remember. I believe it's yeah. 110 with... Uh, we have 40 in Lionel. Yeah. Maybe 42 or something. So, um, kind of gives you an idea there that, you know, what we have in terms of acreage for stuff, um, you know, very little office, very little multifamily. Again, it's only on six acres that we have anything there. Um, what is Farmstead? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> Farmstead. You know, it could be Fine. some of the larger lot uh, ones we have, you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe Mr. Will Harbor's lot or something like of that nature. I think it was um, mm, okay. that, like, proof. Ruth Fisher's because they were ten, sure. they were ten acre parcels. I think yeah. when this was was done, so mm, okay. Yeah. Although it's only three acres worth of stuff, so it must be one particular property that they're deeming farms. But I don't know what that is. Well, this that is this is the be, graph that here. Be, I think this this pie chart here is what I wanted to get to, which is um, something I think we're going to talk about. Is you know it's pretty telling that we are a largely single family detached. So, while it says residential land uses make up 42% of Centerville's total land area, um, you know, of that, 95.6% uh, is mm -hmm. devoted to residential, and then of that, uh, you know, a vast majority is um, single-family detached with uh, very small components otherwise. So, um, you know, and again, some of this information on commercial and industrial is, has changed. This pie chart has certainly changed. We've got 40 acres now of Amazon and 15 acres of Sutton Transport and 
mm -hmm. five acres of quick trip and four and three acres of uh, Marbella. And, you know, so there's certainly been some movement on this pie chart. Um, but, um, well, I shouldn't say that because this is just a residential. Yeah, that's just the word. So, um, and, and we have had some, you know, I guess all of it's been single-family detached. Now that I think about the more recent developments, even though they're townhouse houses on in baby villages are single-family detached, mm -hmm. not multi-family. So, um, so back up to the map quickly. Uh, you know, again, it matches the pie chart a little bit. You see that the yellowish color there is our single-family residential. It makes up a vast majority of our city. Um, some of the other Colored areas. Um, again, you can see the Broussard Vickers Farm is the largest tract of undeveloped land. Um, everything east of 20th now is, for the most part, um, has been developed over here. Um, we have a few vacant lots in the, um, <coughs> the uh, commercial area um, that are awaiting development. I know we have, uh, I've seen that. What it is, the corner at 20th and Main is under contract, we understand, with the um, landowner, so they have a purchase agreement um, in place. But um, so that is that development hopefully is imminent. And um, you know, we do have some larger public uses too. We have the elementary school in town, um, St. Genevieve's Church, uh, both the old church and the new church. side here, you know, those would now be colored, uh, excuse me, these two here would be yellow at this point. Mm -hmm. um, this one over here is still mm -hmm. uh, open. Um, but, um, yeah, we're nearing full build-out too, right? And that's something if, forgive me if I'm going over some basic things here, but I, th I want everyone to make sure that we start from a good foundation, which is Centerville cannot annex any property. The boundary is set. We cannot change that. Um, without literally an act of our local Congress. <laughs> so um, it would be very, very difficult to change our boundary at this point in time. Um, so unlike other communities that are out in the rural area that can annex parts of um, the township to grow their community, we are stuck with our boundary. So we can't annex Lynham? We cannot, no. <laughs> <laughs> as much as that would make sense, right? But um, And consequently, they can or, they yeah. can't annex us either, so that's nice to understand too. But um, so that's just a, some background information there. Um, next, I wanted to kind of go into our chapter two, which is goals and policies. We spent a lot of time on this when we were in the planning commission or the, the planning stages of this document. We, um, you know, that it's really the foundation of your whole plan is to come up with these goals and policies. And I, I just highlighted a few um, goals and policies that I thought were topical, I'll call them, just things that have come up, you know, in the recent past, and or things that really are a little bit meatier. Some of the some of the goals and policies are, you know, a little bit fluffy and hard to get your head around and what they really mean. And we can, you know, next time we update it, we can determine whether or not those should still be in there. But, um, you know, creating a logical and orderly transition from agriculture to non-agriculture we're, we're about done with that need for a transition plan. Um, we're, we've only got one tract of ag land left to go. 
So I, I just highlighted a few things that I thought, um, again, have come up over the last five years and could just use another, another look at them. So these are land use goals and policies. And so it, it says at the top there, it is the goal of the city of Centerville to uh, utilize the city's design guidelines for development within the mixed use central business district. So that's that downtown master plan that you've all seen um, that was adopted in 2006 and readopted by the council in 2020 with a few tweaks. Um, we also say that we are going to, uh, it is a goal of the city council, their city, to expand the commercial and industrial tax base and employment opportunities in the city. Obviously, Amazon is a big, um, certainly the employment opportunities are gigantic with that. Um, Quick Trip and Marbella and Atlas Villas um, certainly also contribute to that. Uh, expanding the commercial and industrial tax base, um, you're going to find that this year, um, that's going to really have a big effect on our our taxes. If you haven't gotten your tax tape in the, in the mail yet, take a look at um, your taxes. And I, we just had a business owner in here yesterday who was uh, jaw agape from his tax increase because yeah. uh, last year residential properties <coughs> took a big hit and took more of the burden um, than the commercial did because of the fact that residential property values went way up. And normally that doesn't matter because if, if everything goes up at the same rate, we all pay the same share that we paid last year. And so it doesn't mean, because your value went up doesn't mean your taxes go up. But residential values went up and commercial values didn't quite go up that high. I mean, last year, residential values went up, I think, 23%, something like that. Commercial values only maybe went up like 8%. This year, it's a flip-flop of that. Commercial and industrial values skyrocketed residential values stayed pretty flat and so this year this tax year 2024 um, our commercial and industrial properties will take a much bigger chunk of that pie that I always talk about um, and so that will help residential um, tax base uh, see a, a smaller increase or maybe no increase at all or a deduction a reduction in their taxes so that's why we talk about the importance of commercial and industrial tax bases because um, there's that ebb and flow and we, we want to have some of that um, that burden taken on by those businesses. So, um, Then we go from goals to policies in each section. So we have, again, we're talking land use, goals, now policies. So the policy of the city of Centerville, so these are kind of policies based on goals. Um, to identify land which is suitable for commercial development and is accessible to existing and planned roadways and compatible with existing and planned land uses. Now you might say, well, Mark, we already did that. That's what the comp plan is for. And I, I would say, yes, you're correct. I think the, the reason I have it highlighted is whether or not we want to maybe take a look at that, that map and say, is everything still appropriately zoned or guided, I should say. Um, you know, is what we have guided for commercial still appropriately guided for commercial? Is what we have guided for residential still appropriately guided for residential? Are there tweaks we want to make to that map? You know, for instance, one of the tweaks we made in 2020 um, didn't require a comp plan amendment, but we, we reduced the size of the M1 district. Yeah. We shrunk that central business district where we have to have commercial on the first floor. We shrunk that way down from where it was because that was what the market was telling us was the reality and still is that reality. And so that was an example of a shift in, let's let's look at the way this land is guided and make a tweak. We 
recently allowed a rezoning um, at the former Moore property up on the north end of town because, again, it seemed like that was a, a, a good tweak of the system there to appropriately zone that. So land use guidance, I think, needs to be examined more often than once every 10 years. I, I think this is an appropriate time to do that, about halfway through that cycle. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a good... Um, we've, we've had five years of people tossing around ideas about different pieces of property. I think it's important for us to listen to the market, um, even though we don't want this to be just a, a market-driven document. We want to listen to what um, landowners and business owners and residential developers are telling us about the appropriateness of different pieces of property for development. Is this a good spot for residential? Is this a good spot for commercial? Uh, is it a good spot for industrial? And so um, have some data on that to, to review, I think. Uh, then residential goals and policies, quite a few of these here. Um, provide a housing mixture that will allow for low, middle, and high income families. Again, as you looked at that map, most of that is single family residential uh, detached. Um, there is a mix of low, middle, and high income houses in that map. Um, so I do think we've met part of this. Um, so in terms of housing mixture, what does that term mean? Develop design guidelines to support new or renovated housing that contributes to the physical character of neighborhood, healthy living and environmental and economic sustainability. Um, you know, I don't know that we have a whole lot of design guidelines for our residential properties. And um, one of the maybe examples of what this would, would look like is in, the, um, in some neighborhoods, so the Robin uh, Lane area is a little bit higher density area. We have smaller setbacks um, to the front yard to allow for more dense and therefore usually generally more affordable um, housing stock. In that neighborhood we talked about, I think if you remember, we had some parking regulations that we talked about whether or not people could park in the driveway out into the right-of-way. We talked about maybe having different rules for that neighborhood versus other neighborhoods. So that's an example of one of these things that you might think about policies in order to keep affordable neighborhoods affordable. Um, without compromising the overall quality of, of your city's uh, aesthetics and that kind of thing. Promote and emphasize small town atmosphere of the city. I think this is a big one. I remember very distinctly when we had this, um, went through this, uh, Commissioner Tui at the time brought up the idea of, you know, is small town feel, um, it's mentioned a number of times in here, whether, whether it's called small town feel or in this case uh, small town atmosphere, a number of different terms, but it's brought up quite a bit. Quite a bit. And Mr. Tui just sort of asked a question out loud, like, is that still part of our goals? Because it goes back at least one other um, comp plan cycle, that term comes up. Um, and I think it probably goes back two or three cycles. Is, is that still, still, still something we want? I know I've heard the mayor at least um, use a term called hometown feel in term, instead of small town feel. I think it's, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think it's a feeling that um, maybe there's some negative connotations to small town. In other words, we're, we're kind of ho-dunk, <laughs> Hooterville, right? And not a place you want to bring your big time business. But obviously, we've, we've outgrown that a little bit maybe in terms of where we've established our, place as a, our, our town as a place to do big business. Um, so, but we still, also, I think a lot of people, many people, 
will tell you that that's why they live, um, live here and moved here was that for a small town atmosphere, um, neighborhood bars, neighbor, you know, uh, get to know your neighbors on national night out. It, 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 those type of things are very, very important to our citizenry and to our city council. And so how do we navigate um, the difference between keeping that small town atmosphere while still being a part of a thriving um, metropolitan suburbia, right? Um, so that's a difficult balance. Plan densities and provide services for sustainable population in excess of 5,000 people at full build-out. So this was a stated goal of the center, city of Centerville. Um, I think there's a lot of debate about whether or not that should still be a goal. If people don't understand why 5,000 people is important, it's because um, it's the threshold at which cities receive what's called state aid uh, for local transportation, SALT. Um, state aid for local transportation is funded by the gas tax. It's a part of the state's constitution. Um, so it's not just a piece of legislation that floats in and out, depending on which way the wind blows or the legislature. This is a part of the constitution that says the gas tax must pay for this road program. And in order to receive funds from that tax pool, um, you need to be over 5,000 people. And then you get more money the more people you have. Um, so at 4,999 people, you get zero dollars. At 5,001 people, or 5,000 people, you get roughly $300,000. Um, it's much more complicated than that, but in general terms, you can think of it that way. It's about 150000 in just sort of cash to do maintenance, and then it's about 150000 in terms of cash to do uh, what, in, based on what is called needs. So you kind of map out your system. Here's where we would add roads. Here's where we would revise the alignment of roads. So you have the 150 to spend on maintenance and 150 to spend on sort of these revisions, I'll call them. But in general terms, we're talking about $300,000 worth of influx on an annual basis. Um, just to put some perspective on that, our total city budget for the year is about $3 million. $3.3 million, I think, is our expenditures next year, some, somewhere in that neighborhood. So we're talking in the neighborhood of 8, 9, 10% of our total annual budget would be this, what, what MSA, Minnesota Municipal State Aid, um, would look like. Um, it's, it, it's something that's certainly um, worth discussing. Um, there is some legislation that just came out to give us more than zero dollars. There's, for a long time, cities in that 4,000 range have complained, like, this is really unfair. You know, why don't we get anything until we hit 5,000? The whole idea is that... Um, this is state money that to pay for regional roads, right? Roads that get beat up a little bit more than your average cul-de-sac. And so, you know, the city should take care of their own city streets that don't have anything on it but city traffic. But when there's a cut-through road that people from Lionel Lakes are using all the time, hey, how about everybody pitches in for that, right? And so that's why the idea is that towns under 5,000 don't have a lot of those cut-through, you know, regional roads, right? Towns over 5,000 is when people start to get big enough where the city road is actually a fairly well-traveled road. Um, at any rate, there's recent legislation that um, has put money on a sales tax on um, car parts, and there's yet to be an, an estimate from the Office of Budget and Management on what that's going to create in terms of revenue. and. Um, so we don't really know what we're going to get. We anticipate somewhere in the neighborhood of 
say 20 to 40, maybe $50,000 a year on that. So not nothing, but certainly not $300,000. So, um, Mark, real quick, an example of those roads that you just described yeah. in Centerville would be what? I would say Main Street and uh, no, Main Road? Street. Main Street is County, Road, county Road, right? So I'm, I would Road. think talking Dupree, 73rd, Peltier Lake Drive, uh, Bryan mm -hmm. Drive. Um, so they have to be through roads. Montreal will not mm, be. Right. And we don't have a lot of good through roads, to be honest. And, and this would be part of our challenge with this system is to. So like, for instance, Center Street cuts through, but you got to take a jog. Part of the MSA system would be that, you know, we would show that someday we'll take that jog out of there. It, it may never happen and you can still get money without ever doing it, but you have to kind of have a vision at some point to change that. Um, so yeah, it's those collector roads. Okay. Um, Mill Road would be another good one, um, but again, it has to kind of jog around through Old Mill Road and, you know, beyond. So is Centerville Road a county road? Yeah. Centerville Road is a county yeah, road. Okay. Centerville Road, Main Street, and 20th Avenue are all our county roads. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so we get aid already for that because the county takes care of those? Correct. Okay. The we oh. don't get aid. The county gets aid. County. Okay. Yeah. And the county pays for all the maintenance on this. 21st would be another good example of a city road that would definitely want to be a state aid road. Um, we would share that with Lionel Lakes. I'm sure it's already on their map. But uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, good Thank question. You. So... That's the 5,000 people, and we can get into that a little bit more later and talk about what it takes to get to 5,000, what does that look like. Um, so then on to the policies. We would encourage the revitalization of existing housing stock. Again, I think that's something to talk about. We haven't <coughs> really dived into that too much with our HRA dollars or anything like that. We could certainly um, look at programs to help people do that. Um, Avoid adoption of regulations which create, which create excessive obstacles to the development of affordable housing. So this is sort of, um, you know, things which sort of snub your nose at affordable housing by saying, well, the minimum lot size is going to be half an acre and, you know, um, those type of things. Identify areas appropriate for multiple family and senior housing opportunities. Again, we have a map that shows areas. It's just a matter of, I think, reviewing those and saying, are those still appropriate? And, and did we do enough research on those in the first place to figure out whether or not those are appropriate? Um, one of the things that Thanasi and I have been trying to work on is we have an area on the south end of town um, kind of tucked back behind the, some industrial area there that's guided for high-density housing. Mm -hmm. And it, it shows in the map like it's a pretty big area, but mm -hmm. it's really only about four acres or so out of the 12 that are shown there that are really high ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, buildable. It's low ground. And, and, and you know, our, our, our tables and stuff account for that. We're not idiots, but um, it's still, I think, just visually, you go, wow, we got quite a bit of high density there. This is behind all yeah. the housing here. Yeah, so <coughs> that's just an example, again, of where we would um, look to maybe reevaluate whether or not that is still appropriate and adequate. Maintain uh, landscaping standards. Um, maintain site access parking structure setbacks enforce standards for structure upkeep um, you know I think that's something we can discuss too is how it, how aggressive do we get it with code enforcement that's always a difficult and challenging policy well um, especially now with the with the housing approaching the 30 and 40 um, yeah. 
you know, when you walk around, you can see you know, soffit, fascia, peeling paints, things like that. That's why when you were talking about that thing up above in terms of investing in, what was it? Develop guideline or support new and renovative housing that if we have an ability to do that, I think there would be some properties that could benefit from yeah. assistance. And if you assist those properties, you improve the properties next to them in terms of their values, um, without a doubt. Yeah, there's, there's lots of research to say that code enforcement and or programs to help facade um, redos and that kind of thing increase property values, but at the same time, Heavy code enforcement can be widely, wildly unpopular, mm -hmm. um, and can be viewed as taking on disadvantaged neighborhoods and, and that kind of thing as well. So, very delicate balance there. But um, certainly, something some cities have done successfully; others have uh, tried, failed, and moved on. <laughs> so, I've I've seen one in particular, and it I sort of look at it and think, uh, you know, this. I would say for most people, when you see that, it's a money issue, it would seem to me, that the vast majority, they simply can't afford to replace the deck or stain, or it's a physical issue and they can no longer do anything. And it would be, I don't know how you would manage to coordinate it, but with the number of um, charitable organizations and service organizations we have, to be able to like adopt one or two projects a year and ask for volunteer help. Yep. A sm on a smaller scale than, than the you know, the big scale projects. If if we could get that going in this town, I would think we'd have people who could help. I, um, I like that idea of, of, and, of private and I don't know partnerships. Who, yeah, I don't I don't know who spearheads that. I don't know if it's you know like scouting or the churches or I don't know what community organizations could start. But if if you just pick one and then you could have people come forward and, and, and ask, and you probably could get private donations also to, right. to help. I'd like to see that, because we do have some properties that could, you know, maybe they're not being painted because nobody can paint. Yep. And they can't afford $12,000 to have it redone. Right. So. Yeah, so um, just moving through these here, um, upkeep and site maintenance, uh, again, code enforcement, and that can be both residential and, um, although I think this is in the residential section, we'll also probably see that come up in the commercial section as well. Mm -hmm. um, commercial goals, so again, we just went through the residential goals, these are the commercial goals and policies, provide a variety of employment and development opportunities in the city, again, we've taken a lot of big strides in that in the last five years, we've got a much more diverse employment opportunity um, landscape here than we did ten years ago. Um, expand employment and tax base, again, big strides in that recently. Maintain and, and improve the city's downtown central business district according to downtown development guidelines. Um, you know, this is one where we're, we've struggled. We're, we're, we're certainly putting plenty of effort in. Um, had plenty of development proposals. Um, and still have development <coughs> proposals on the table. And um, we're, we're making every effort to try to get some off the ground and um, just not sure if it's going to happen or not. But um, So certainly I don't think the downtown discussion uh, is going to go away anytime soon and needs to continue to be a big part of our, our planning efforts. Um, utilize the Main Street Corridor for additional commercial uses in Centerville and I think 
Um, I think this is one Mr. Kosky maybe had brought up at, at one point in time and was maybe a reason we have this in the, in the comp plan. Uh, I think it's a nice idea, which is that, um, you know, between our sort of eastern hub of commercial industrial stuff uh, with the Quick Trip and the uh, American Roofing Supply area there between 20th and 21st, and then you've got City Hall sprinkled in there and a couple of mini malls, and then we have the downtown. And in between there, there's some opportunities there for, um, you know, redevelopment of some residential sites and um, or just uses, better uses of land along that corridor. Uh, you know, most businesses want to be on the main drag and have that traffic count. Traffic count on Main Street between uh, west of 20th is about 11,000 cars a day. East of 20th, it's about uh, 16,000 or so. East of 21st, it's more like 25,000 or so, uh, 23,000, I think. Um, so in order to attract most chain restaurants or other chain businesses, you need at least 15,000 cars a day, um, hoping to get to 20,000, really, most of them. So um, you can imagine, um, you know, we talked, and that's why we kind of revised the downtown plan. We talked about having retail a block south of Main Street. Well, the traffic counts on Centerville Road going that direction are about 6,000 a day. So they're not even anywhere close to where you're going to attract a business there. Um, so, you know, I think the idea of focusing on Main Street as an additional commercial corridor is a good one. I do think that there is plenty of opportunity there. I know that we floated around briefly the idea of selling part of City Hall's campus here, um, where the trees are next to us here, is vacant land, um, as a commercial site. I think at some point in time, if there's enough pressure, that we could reconsider that, right? Um, the county has some property that they basically use to snow, uh, store snow uh, along Main Street here near the creek. Um, so I think there's some valuable assets there. There's some definitely housing stock that is, um, I don't want to call it or anything, but um, it's, it's not uh, necessarily the highest and best use for that property at, at some point in the future. Um, so, lots of opportunity there. Um, down to the policies of the city. Um, again, this is for commercial uh, goals and policies. Create a cohesive identity for all commercial areas with a design guidelines for building signage and streetscaping. We do have streetscaping that ties our downtown together, and we, we continue to um, talk to developers about that. We also have design guidelines in the downtown plan. I just, again, we really haven't built anything with that downtown plan yet that according to those design guidelines. So um, it's going to be interesting to try to get at least one project off the ground with those design guidelines so we can start to have some of that um, cohesion, cohesion. Adequate lot sizes for buildable areas, um, convenient and safe access. We're doing a corridor study on 20th Avenue to kind of look at uh, safe and convenient accesses along that corridor as that area matures over on the east side of town. Evaluate TIF, CDBG, and other funding options to provide assistance for the central business district redevelopment. Uh, we've already utilized CDBG funds to buy up property and assemble those. Fonsi and I were just at a conference today with um, real estate developers and um, other construction and engineering um, folks 
and we heard from a panelist of a panel of um, developers. Um, one of the most difficult things, and, and really, I don't know, they just basically said they're just not interested in doing property assembly, and it was very stark. Like, mm. um, if they got to put together two pieces of property, eh, how about the next site? Well, even back when they were trying to do that in downtown, right after the master plan, that yeah. that kind of really went nowhere fast. Yep. They could not get the, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's interesting to hear. At the same time, it's frustrating because we've done some of that and still been unsuccessful in getting rid of that property. I shouldn't say getting rid of it, the redeveloping it into something nice. Um, but it was very clear that, you know, downtown redevelopment if left to the private market is going to be very difficult because there's still just too many green fields around us. Maybe property assembly in the Minneapolis and inner ring suburbs is something that developers are interested in. But here, there, you know, you can just go across the bridge to Hugo if you want to do something on a green field that's much less of a headache, right? Mm -hmm. So property assembly, um, you know, the city may have a role in doing some of that. Um, and or finding ways to encourage private development to do it. So um, that was interesting to hear today. Um, mm. And also they you know, talked about, uh, I, I was shocked that someone admitted this, but uh, there was a developer that admitted that they have a spreadsheet in their office um, with a, what he characterized as sort of a ranking or a scoring system for cities and how difficult they are to work with. And essentially said that if a city scores poorly on that, they simply avoid, it's on the list, but mm -hmm. then that city moves down the list of places they're looking for sites. And um, so that again was a stark reminder that um, the planning commission, city staff, being a welcoming environment to developers and um, protecting our reputation in the development world is very important. Um, literally this developer is keeping track on a spreadsheet yep. of how difficult. I was I was amazed to hear hear that put in that kind of a stark reality. I've always heard that that's a thing. I didn't know people were actually tracking it with some sort of metric. That was amazing to me. Um, I would just like to add. Um, I heard two <coughs> compliments on how easy Centerville was to work with. So that was very nice to hear. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that bullet point, uh, and then you know the council is currently um, you know, working with a developer uh, on a potential TIF project. Um, again, nothing committed to there at this point. We're in a, in a workshop setting, and, and folks nodded their head, and we'll see where that ends up. But um, that is something that again was part of our, our policies adopted with this comp plan. Um, develop retail uses in a clustered in, or shopping center concept as a preferred dual. Strip malls and scattered development. So just, you know, making sensible um, shopping areas to put together is, is, is important. Commercial land in proximity to commercial development or adjacent communities to maximize benefit for businesses within Centerville. Um, so I think a lot of this speaks to uh, our industrial next to Lionel's industrial on the southeast part of town, our commercial next to Lionel, potential commercial on the north side of Main Street, um, working with them. And I, I know that, you know, one of the things I've talked to the Lionel Lakes staff about is the area around Dairy Queen um, and to the east and to the south of Dairy Queen, how important it would be for us to try to have some semblance of retail or office space there to 
make our properties immediately to the west of that that are ripe for redevelopment, um, attractive to commercial office type development, as opposed to if immediately south of Dairy Queen there's a warehouse, of, you know, like distribution alternatives, and what that would mean to the Sheehy property or to the Mueller um, Asphalt or uh, Noble Welding properties. So um, the value of our properties depends on the, what Lano does and vice versa, right? So um, it's something we, we talk about as a staff, and I think there's something else that we can try to co collaborate with Lano Lakes um, as we go forward. Uh, again, just talking about maintaining those high standards for landscaping. Uh, I think we do have, our ordinances are very uh, robust when it comes to landscaping. We, we saw that on the Amazon site, they weren't even able to meet the minimum requirements, no matter how hard they tried, <laughs> and just ended up paying um, some money, money to our mm -hmm. park fund to do, to do so. So I know that was uh, a lot here, and we got some more stuff here, mixed use goals and policies. Um, again, you see goal to stick with our downtown master plan, um, pedestrian oriented, um, small town atmosphere, there's that term again, a downtown plan and guidelines, right? So still, again, I think what's important to see here is that the comp plan talks about the downtown master plan, and the downtown master plan is integral to our city code as well. The city code just references the downtown master plan. So I think it's important that we kind of double down on that and make sure that that document is reflective of our, our goals and our vision for the city and um, make sure that we um, take a hard look at that. I know one of the things I, I think I want to pursue in the coming year is what Bruce had kind of done a little research on for us when we were looking at the Guys and Dolls um, building and coming up with some more concrete design standards. What what does French architecture mm. mean? You know, our downtown master plan talks a lot about it, but it doesn't really get into the specifics of what that is. Um, and I think we could do better to make our developers better prepared to meet those criteria um, if we did a little bit of that research that yeah. Bruce started for us. Um, again, talking about utilizing regulatory and economic development tools, that that's probably um, code word for, for TIF and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, again, talking about the master plan. Minimizing automobiles through uh, strategies such as parking, uh, adjacent lands, having different peak hour parking demands to share parking facilities. We've talked about this a little bit with the church or the uh, school. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to have a lot of traction there with the school. But certainly the idea of um, shared parking or publicly owned parking is a big part of what the master plan talks about. The downtown master plan really contemplates city-owned municipal parking lots to serve the downtown. And I think that's can be an important tool as we go forward. Um, if, if perhaps we don't want to use TIF or tax abatement or other types of incentives or CDBG money, um, you know, perhaps the city investing in a parking lot to take that expense off of the development um, might be a way to incentivize the development without simply giving money to a sp particular developer, right? If you were to envision a, um, you know, I, I even looked at the the um, Chef Hot Hands building as it became Connor James. We um, required them to put in some parking there. I think in the future you could see that 
area behind those buildings being a one larger municipal parking lot that was uh, municipally owned and maintained and um, a, a benefit to all the businesses be rather than have a 10 spot lot for the Connor James salon and a five spots we could squeeze in for the knickknack shop and then you know something else that develops on the corner each having their own little tiny parking lot can you have a more cohesive um, municipally owned parking lot uh, so that's a, sort of a long-range uh, goal as well. Peak hour, uh, sorry, uh, sort of the open space, uh, stormwater treatment things, um, certainly that's something that we're going to look at with the lawn development, is how does that stormwater feature that they're going to end up putting down near the lake um, and in front of their patio and type of thing, how does that going to make uh, the, the neighborhood um, look nice, not just be a ugly storm pond, but, uh, you know, how, to, how can it be incorporated into the development to be a, an actual amenity to the development? Because, you know, what happens to the storm pond will just be a surface of algae. Yeah, if it's not done right, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, encouraging ground floor uses like restaurants, shops, <coughs> and services to, to, the term here uses, animate the streets with mixed-use areas. You know, I think the loci study that the EDA did, um, so we have a, EDA recently did a study, a market study that talked about mixed use and its challenges these days. It talked about horizontal mixed use as opposed to vertical mixed use. So that might be something we have to pivot to allow a little bit more in our comp plan and in our master plan. How do we allow for horizontal mixed use as opposed to have to have retail on the first floor and then residential above? How can we pivot to allow um, separate, the separation of those two uses but still have a mixed use district? where we have both restaurant, shops, and uh, <coughs> residential multifamily all in the same neighborhood, but not necessarily stacked on top of each other. Finally, we have industrial goals. You know, here there's not a, a lot left to do because we, we are almost completely built out in our industrial area. I don't see a, an opportunity to rezone much in terms of making more room for industrial. Um, so I, I don't know how much we have left to do here other than to make sure that what we have is um, still retains its value. Luckily, we, you know, most of this is pretty new and it, it's, it's holding its value. We have a couple of places that need some rehab. Yeah, probably, right? I don't even know. There, there's probably those areas are half commercial, half industrial, um, not maybe the traditional mm -hmm. industrial that we have, but yeah. So I'll just kind of zoom through those, and um, as you can see, that might be just looking at it. That that little piece that quote says it's um, industrial. That's off of Cedar on the west side, combined with the part that you're saying might would be high density, uh, and you're talking about par parceling things together. That would be a spot that I think would probably be a, a good place to look for potentially being able to do something like sure. gathering the land. You know, maybe that's something that comes out of this discussion too is maybe there's some areas to do what we call a, a small uh, area study so you don't have to redo your whole plan but maybe take a focus look at the, the areas along Main Street that are residential that could maybe become mature into commercial. Um, the area down where you just talked about, Linda, in, in terms of what does that area look like in the future? Um, 
So maybe taking some small areas and doing little small area plans would be mm -hmm. a, an idea. All right, so I've been blabbing long enough here. Now I'm gonna get to <coughs> wanting to hear from you guys in just a minute here. Um, I'm just gonna buzz through uh, some land use stuff here. Um, again, this is the existing land use. Um, and then we have some the proposed uh, changes that we were talking about here on page uh, 32 or 23 of the PDF. Um, again, you can see how a lot of these areas are really pretty small acreage. Uh, these are sort of areas that we were changing. So this is reflective of the, these are the only areas that we were going to change from the previous plan. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, you know, we've, we've planned our community three times over at least. We've had three um, cycles of a, of a comp plan. And so we've got it pretty well dialed into where we want it, but that doesn't mean it, it can't change. Um, <coughs> Again, these are those areas. So um, obviously we have the Bayview Villas development there that has already uh, developed. Um, this is sort of that hatched area here along Main Street. I was talking about mm -hmm. the, the idea of making that into future um, commercial areas, even though some of those, there are houses on those and you know those folks can live there as long as they like, but um, you know when there's, it's time for them to move on, perhaps that transitions to commercial opportunities. Um, we had the, the old church property listed on here as a, kind of a key spot. Um, I think, you know, again, that be nice? it's an opportunity that when it comes, we want to be ready for it. <laughs> um, we're, we're not in the business of pressuring the church to do anything, but when it comes there, we want to have a plan for it. Um, you know, one of the things that sometimes we get into discussions with is the whole spot zoning when you're when you're changing and stuff but the area between here and downtown um, is is not likely to come up in exact order where you'll be able to have contiguous parcels and I and I wonder if you know when something does become available if there's some ability to acquire and and then then you wait until you can put two or three because years and years ago we had the bank that wanted to be on the um, on the corner there and we said there was discussion that it was spot zoning because it was because I think it was even before the might have been before the master plan even was done where they wanted a bank and then you know it ended up not going anywhere because they, we said it was spot zoning but that's an area where you clearly if you're going to get anywhere to acquire or get enough parcels together, you're almost going to have to do something like that to, to, to start a group, so sure. to speak. This is the map of future land use. So um, what you can see here, this is this is the, if you're gonna pay attention to one map in our comp plan, this is the map to pay attention to. Um, again, it's the, it's the future land use map as it's in the title. Um, this is very much a guiding document and a legal, legally binding document. Um, if you want to do anything that is goes away from this, 
it's a comprehensive plan amendment uh, time. This is what uh, stopped the apartment building from being constructed out on the east side of town. There was an, a proposal just north of Norbella to put an apartment building there. And um, at the time, the, the city council voted three to two to approve that city, that um, amendment to the comprehensive plan to allow that apartment building, but it needed a four-fifths vote because it was a comprehensive plan amendment. And so, as I mentioned, this document is very important and it has a lot of weight, and so much weight that the, the um, legislature, um, when they put together the rules on these, I think rightly so, said we need a majority, not just a majority, but a super majority of the council to change that. In other words, this is sort of like your constitution. You don't want to just willy-nilly change this. This is your plan for a long time, and so it ought to take a, a heavily favored um, proposal to change this at all. And so the council um, had two no votes and three yes votes, and that was enough to block that change from happening, and therefore the apartment was not allowed under that zoning. So um, again, this, this document's very, very important, and it's one to be um, to make sure that we appropriately use it. Um, you can see that on the, in purple there, we have that central business district mixed use, kind of coming along Main Street there. Um, you know, maybe that needs to be looked at. To, is that really the appropriate guidance, or should it be commercial? Maybe I'm hopefully I don't have my colors wrong here. I'm a little colorblind. No, because it's purple, isn't it? Well. On the on the paper, it looks more pinky. Yeah, it looks red. On this, it's purple. I'm a lavender. Yeah, same color as the downtown, though, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you know um, that's an interesting thing. I never had really thought of yet before, but not sure if that's really the appropriate way to do it or not, because um, that would allow multifamily housing. Um, and it would suggest an M1 or M2 zoning, not a B1 or B2 zoning. Um, when you were looking at when at that thing that you were at for, with developers, was that primarily residential developers or commercial developers or a mixed mix, bag? A mix, yeah. And the land acquisition thing was the not wanting to gobble together stuff. Is that was that kind of a commercial? It, it was residential. Folks. Residential. Yeah. Uh, Multi-family, I should say. Okay. Apartment <laughs> okay, they didn't want to work to do that. I they agree. did not. Yeah. Okay. You know, Mr. Chair, if I may, Mark, in past discussions, when we've <coughs> talked about this updated plan, I thought what was purple there on, on Main Street was commercial. I think we had that. Remember, we were talking yeah. about that one time. Yeah. And I thought we had changed that commercial, not to mix. But. Yeah. I, 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 well, I think we talked about it. <coughs> I think it's worth a rediscussion, right? Um, I, I think probably a little bit of um, mixed messages in the comp plan about that. You know, I mean, we talked about it being commercial, right? And because the other side of the street is, and yeah. I thought we had done both, right. right? So, and it's not to say the mixed use district can't support can't commercial, because mm -hmm. the M1 and M2 districts do support commercial, um, but the M2 district would also allow multifamily. Mm -hmm. um, Mark, does the central business district designation um, mean then that it has to follow the downtown plan? Mm -hmm. um, another good question. In general, yes, we would say that, but I think the downtown master plan, boy, I don't know if it has a map that says I this is I don't remember if it, if it, it identifies 
geographically where the downtown is. I don't but know. That's a great, <coughs> that's great a thought point. I just had. If you're going to yeah. tie those together, right? Great point, Bruce. I think uh, I would, you know, push for an answer. I would say right now, anything in the M1 M2 district should follow the downtown master plan because I think that's if you look at the zoning code and you say, okay, I'm in M1 or M2, the first sentence is, it's the intent of this zoning code yeah. to follow the downtown master plan, right? So, um, now that being said, this is the future land use map, this is not our zoning map, and so these areas have not necessarily been rezoned, I don't think these areas have been rezoned to mixed use, but that is sort of the intent, is that you rezone them ahead of them actually needing to be rezoned, so that they don't redevelop under the current zoning, yeah. and don't reinvest, and so that you sort of push them to be legal nonconformities. So, in other words, they can live there as long as they want, and they could resell the house as a house, but they could not expand that use. Um, and which that that can be very controversial too. And on the downtown, that was there was a lot of angst over that issue. Mm -hmm. But it's the it's the way to push a neighborhood into a different land use. That, that's it's really the only way to do it. Um, You know, this again is the, the key document that we really need to pay attention to. And it's, uh, here's an example too. Sorry, uh, areas identified for, for development. This is that area down here. Um, I won't try to tell you what color this is, but uh, it's brown, a brownish color. You can see this is all designated for high density, but you can see the hatched areas are actually the only developable areas, the only upland. So it's only just the northern portion of that land that is really developable in terms of, um, and that's just based on broad brush uh, land uh, land cover maps, you know, based no, on like marshy Esri, ground. Esri data, yeah. Marshy ground. National wetland inventory, so it's not been studied. That's what Athanasi and I are trying to do is find a way to partner up with Rabine to study that property and our adjacent city-owned property. The city actually owns this piece of property mm -hmm. and figure out what we can do collaboratively there to we don't necessarily need to push a development, but we want to. We better figure out what can be done there. You know, there's no good access to this property. It's landlocked. How are we going to get to it at some point? So again, when we get to that discussion of 5,000 people, are we counting on this to be a big population center here? <coughs> Is that realistic? Because it's landlocked. It's tucked behind some weird places here, and it's up against this, you know, single family residential area, you know, is this still the appropriate plan for that area? Um, well, there could probably be some land mitigation. Yeah, yep. Um, done on that particular parcel. But that's why I was thinking, connecting it to the, the piece that's industrial right next to it mm -hmm. would make a lot of sense in terms of making that then also <coughs> high density. And access and to the road and the whole night. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know there are some good things going for it too in terms of high density, which is that there's a daycare right here. Mm -hmm. Good access to daycare is an important piece mm -hmm. of you know having an apartment living. Um, you know, and there's good access to the freeway and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So park and ride. Yep. So there's lots of pluses on it, on it as well. So. Um, I do want to finish up my 
dissertation here so that you guys can give some input. this graph right here, which we just revised, if you recall, and I, of course I didn't pull the revised version in here, shame on me. Um, but this is really this um, calculation, the table that really sets where we're going in terms of population. So if you think in terms of um, whether or not we're going to get to 5,000 people, this table here lays out how many more housing units we have left to build. And um, at the time of this plan, our population was about 3,800 or so, um, based on what the sort of the per cap, per household numbers are right now. And so if you figure that um, we have about um, 700, excuse me, um, 1,200 people to go to get to 5,000 off of 3,800, and you figure about uh, three units per acre in some of these areas. So this is what we're doing is we're taking the acreage of low density, the acreage of medium density, multiplying by the expected density of those areas, and then landing at a minimum and a midpoint. And in, without getting bogged down in the numbers, what this table will show you when you do the math on it is that at the minimum density levels, we do not reach 5,000 people. At the midpoint, we barely get there. So if I was to take 647 times uh, 2.7 people per household, which is about what we're experiencing right now, um, that's about 1,750 people. So that's enough to get us, I shouldn't say barely, that, that gets us to around 55, you know, add that to 3,800, and you get 5,500 people or so, right? Um, which is about where we would want to be. We don't want to be at 5,001 because then you might vacillate back and forth and lose funding one year and have it the next year, and that's no good for anybody. Um, so you'd want to be in that 50, I would say 5,300 might be a spot where you'd feel comfortable. Um, so the midpoint gets us to 5,000 people at full build-out. The minimum does not. And I think what we need to um, pay close attention to is what is... What does that mean? So what it means is that that eight acres of high-density residential we just looked at, that's the eight, you know, that's eight acres of actual developable land. There, the, the larger parcel was more than eight acres. So we've, we've accounted for the fact that there's not, um, that there's wetlands there. A, a, a density of, of 16 and a half uh, per acre is um, significant, but not, you know, that's a, a a small apartment, um, it's very high density uh, townhouse type stuff, and um, that would produce this 133 units. The medium density, I think, is the more important part of this puzzle, and um, when you look at that at the midpoint of 5.5 units per acre, that's pretty intense development. And in order to do that over the 67 acres of developable land on the south part in a town here, that's a pretty tall order. Um, in terms of can we really sustain that level of density across that entire 70 or so acres and uh, produce that important 368 homes that would um, produce those people to make us to get to 5,000 people. Alternatively, you could...
try to find other areas to do high density residential and then ease back on the requirement to have all 70 acres at that medium density level. And if that's the discussion I'd like to have is if we're if 5,000 is still a goal of ours, how do we do it? Are we going to rely mostly on that re remaining 70 acres at medium density, or do we try to find ways to chip off of that 368 need by putting an apartment here, an apartment there, in areas where we maybe didn't expect them, and then have a little bit more room to work with in terms of that density on medium density? Is our population per unit, um, is it predicted to go down? Because I think our population is aging and I think we have less children coming in it, into the city and more going out. It would, that's how it feels to me. I don't know what it's predicted for, but in before the census, Met Council had us estimated just over 4,000 people. We were at like 4,010 or so. Um, and the census revealed that we were not there, and it came back at 3896. So we dropped about 110 people or so. Um, and even though we were adding residential units, so we went from a, an estimate from Met Council of 2.92 people per household to 2.76, I want to say. So that's a pretty significant drop. It doesn't sound like much, but that's a pretty significant drop when you do the math. And I will tell you, though, that 2.75 or 2.7 is really a number that's more common mm -hmm. in what I would call mature suburbs. And it's a number sewer and water uh, people that are designing sewer and water systems use all the time. Uh, the PCA requires you when you design a sewer system that you design for 2.7 people per, per household. Um, so... 2.7, where we're at now, is more common and I think more of a, a number that you can stick with and rely on, not going too far below that. Um, you know, it's complicated. I mean, if you have a bunch of apartments, that number's going to go down because 2.7 people don't live in an apartment complex, you know. That number's going to be much lower. Um, but at the same time, it's easier to pack more people into small spaces, right? So, long story short is I think we've probably hit the aging limitation in the fact that we now just put in some new housing stock. You know, we've got another, what, 30 homes or so that we've put in recently that are probably for younger families, uh, not so much the baby villas, but the old mill estates. <coughs> and uh, got some opportunities for new families there. I mean, just anecdotally, I know there's a lot of kids up there I see, you know what I mean? Um, but I always think of our mayor and our council member Mosier, our perfect examples of how a community goes through that cycle. They both moved into a, a, a new development, a new brand new house in the late 90s. And then and they had their kids, <laughs> and they were the part of the 2.9. <laughs> and now their kids are all off to college. I would say that's the whole area. Right? Between, between Centerville and 20th, north of our farm, that's that entire neighborhood right. is the children. I mean, yep. we watched them all come and go and they're coming back to us with their kids. So that's what makes us see. Yeah. That's why I was asking. I think to me it's going to, we didn't add a m as much housing as we're losing. So I feel like it's going to be even lower, which 
changes all those numbers again yeah. if it, it does. I, I think the other thing though at work is that what happens with our example people here um, 5, 10, 15 years from now when they maybe think about downsizing and what happens to their house then? Does it go to a new family that mm -hmm. is uh, coming in with the kids? So, so yeah. will that neighborhood sort of evolve into regenerate, regenerate itself, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think probably it will, right? Because their homes now aren't maybe the top end uh, of the price range and it can mm -hmm. be a little bit more uh, entry point for people. And so um, I think it's, it's a very interesting study, but uh, I think, yeah, we're, and just as a population, we're aging, right? The baby boom, all that kind of stuff. So um, hard to know. Um, so that, I think that I'll just leave it with this, this graphic here again, that if we put 355 new homes, that doesn't pencil out, right? Uh, 355 times 2.7 plus 3,800 gets us to 4,750. In my view, um, that's a weird spot to stop, yeah. right? I mean, if, I, I know that there's people that think getting to 5,000 might um, endanger our small town feel. I would ask what another 250 people are going to yeah. do um, to that, right? It, is that really the difference between small town feel and not small town feel? And you'd hate to, to me, it seems silly to be at 4,700 people and miss out on $300,000 a year um, by not finding a way to put another 250 people in town. Um, so. So Mark, at the February <coughs> planning session, um, you start by getting reaffirmation from the city council that 5,000 is still a goal? I think we want to have that conversation. Yeah, I think that's on the docket for it kind of came up at the, two years ago when we did a goal setting, and we didn't really have the time to dig into it. I, I've presented some of this information to the council before, um, but I think I think we will push to have the council reaffirm or deny that that is still a goal, right? Well, it changes everything. Everything it does. I mean that it cha everything changes. It's yeah. That not right, and I think there's a, a very valid, even though I think it's a valid reason to look at it, I think there's also valid points that say 10% is nice, but it's not a reason to redesign our town either, right? I mean, are we going to be, are we going to let the tail wag the dog in a certain sense? It would be very nice to turn that into a cost per household. Yeah, right, and save Because that's, savings. I don't know how you would do that, but somebody should be able to turn that into a cost per household, because yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. Really, with people making their decision on whether or not they want to agree with something like an apartment building or not. You know, if, if the bottom line is $300 more in taxes, or I, I mean, I'm just using that number, yeah. versus having a big apartment building, how many are going to say, okay, I'll pay the three and don't put it there? Right. Uh, to me, that's how people think. Well, that's maybe the not. Fact that if but you get to 5,000 people, you no longer have a stop sign in your little town. You now have a semaphore to control be. traffic. Yeah. Could be, yeah. And is that a step forward or is that a step backwards? That's a grand question, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. 
feeling a lot of people... Consensus is not going to be available. A lot of, I think a lot of people, because they move out here trying to get away from high density. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's, what, that's what they see Centerville as. Or they go to like Hugo. Otherwise, if you're going out any further than that, you're getting out in even more rural. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of valid arguments on, it, on, on many sides, more than probably two sides of this argument, really. Um, well, the, the opposite way to go is change everything back into low density and be single family all detached and say you're not going to get to 5,000 and not worrying about putting mm-hmm. any apartment buildings any place. Right. I mean, that's your total, complete, mm-hmm. I guess, opposite to me of, of what is attempting to happen. Yeah, because I think there's also the discussion about whether or not are apartment buildings simply a vehicle to get to 5,000, or are they about providing housing diversity, mm-hmm. right, and, and um, diversity of options? I, I think part of the discussion, too, is around whether or not apartments are a vehicle to provide affordable housing, or is it realistic to even say that, you know, what's being proposed on the lawn, the lawn property is going to be an affordable, it's just not. It's going to be lake views, it's going to be fairly high-end stuff. Um, but... There's also, um, I think if you talk to anyone under the age of 30, um, they're not necessarily as interested in being a homeowner as when you and I were A suburbia, years old, you know, on a suburbia I, lot. I bought yeah. a house right out of college. Yeah. You know, that was just what I was going to do. I never thought about renting. <laughs> I didn't want to. And I bought in a place where I could afford it. But the, the new 30-year-old, uh, 25-year-old, doesn't see the world the same way I did 25, 30 years ago. And so... Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what is the, what is our culture changing, and how do we adapt to that? Um, and I think, you know, again, one of, part of our goals and policies is to have a diversity of housing options. So, does that still align? You know, um, lots of important questions around that. So. Oh, here's another one. Uh, what are some of the surrounding communities? What are their vision? Obviously, we can see Lionel. They're pointing. Well, and, and well, you can see Hugo yeah. too. But Hugo, is so. <laughs> What is, to the north, Columbus, what are they doing? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, Columbus and Hugo are, are even Lionel, uh, are <coughs> different in the fact that they have all the land in the world to do whatever they want to. Um, but I do think, you know, um, Hugo and Lionel have both done high-density projects. Um, again, you have an opportunity to build it way out of the way of anybody and let others fill in around it mm-hmm. as opposed to putting an apartment in mm-hmm. an area that's going to be a little bit more contentious mm-hmm. because, wait a minute, that wasn't here when I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have an opportunity, to, and I see it a lot, you, you drive around, I think of um, Zimmerman, if you've gone up 169 through Zimmerman, they have a beautiful apartment complex there along the highway, but it's on the north end of Zimmerman, when there, where there wasn't anybody else well, yet. And Blaine's doing a lot Blaine's doing of some of that, that too, right? Yep. A ton of that up in Lexington. So, you know, we have a challenge of being almost fully built out, and no matter where we build something, it's going to be adjacent to somebody or close to adjacent to somebody. So I think, again, if we, we decide to build high-density um, type of housing, it's important that we pick the appropriate locations for those, right? all the difference in the world is high density housing in the right spot might be a lot different than high density squeezed into the wrong spot mm-hmm. so so again um, 
I do think that is a, a major topic of discussion, um, but it, there's also a lot of ancillary things around it. You know, is it just about being at 5,000 or is it about housing diversity? Is it about, do we need affordable uh, apartments? We're not, we're not just market rate, do we need affordable housing? Um, so lots of, lots of topics there. Again, I've been talking for about an hour and a half now. Um, Mr. Chair, I'll, I'll take some uh, input and general thoughts from everybody else. Um, I just was going through and, and figuring out consistencies in what we've put in here. So just a side note, page 41 uh, says medium density is three units to 15 units. So we might want to fix that. Um, because where did we get, why, why is 12 in my head? Okay, 12 to 30. Okay, I had 12 out there, and then all of a sudden I saw this 15 on there, and I, I was... Yeah, I, I, if I recall, we, we downgraded this medium density late from, in the game. From maybe from... Maybe it used Probably to be, was from 15 down Maybe that, so that's... Yeah. Anyway, that piece of it didn't kind of sure. change. Um, I think that, you know, I think our plan to me is is an aggressive plan, and and... And I feel like our market, the market certainly hasn't helped in trying to get there at all. And I don't know that I feel like it's going to help a lot anytime real soon. Um, I, you know, I have mixed feelings because by the time all of this is happening, I'm not going to be here. So it's sort of, it, it's sort of, um, I can go either way, you know, 5,000 or stay at 3,000, and it doesn't personally impact me. But I think we have very much a dichotomy because so much of our, our, our package talks about maintaining that small-time <coughs> atmosphere and talking about large apartment buildings seems to be diametrically opposed to that. And, and so to me, I read that and I see conflict in what's actually written, at least in how I would hear people interpret that when they say the small town, they don't want to light at Main Street or whatever. But I don't think they really understand the financial implications of it either. And, and we have not, I would have to believe 95% of the people don't understand that growth here puts $300,000 in the city pocket. Um, and that might change a lot of people's attitudes instead of what we have been getting traditionally when we've had our meetings about apartments, which gets to be, um, yeah, some aggressive and ugly behaviors and comments and things like that. And yet they don't really understand what the impact is besides just putting a building there. So to me, that is the key in trying to to do what we're doing. I think where we're going, it's... It, this is the way to do it. I see two places I would I would change high density to help mitigate what you're talking about where if you can't get to the high end on every other piece, you've got a little bit more in, in different places. Um, they also don't define medium density district in here. What page is that? 44. It, it says zoning district, so I don't really think we have a medium density because I don't think we've been rezoned. It 
has a zoning district that it doesn't have medium density listed. But like I said, I don't think we rezoned. I don't remember that we actually did rezone. It's no, you it's have. The, yeah, we we didn't rezone, so that's probably why it's not in there. Um, it talks about you know revisiting the market plan based on the feasibility, and that to me, that information on market feasibility is is one of the biggest things. Um, we don't have a for me. Uh, we talked on ch uh, channel page forty eight about lifestyle life cycle housing and I don't think we have a lot of that I think there's going to be a lot of older people here that would like to stay nearby and there isn't going to be a place for them to be so I love to see something like that big Bling Bloomston community over in Lino um, where you really got quite a um, availability of options yeah, but we, that's not necessarily. We, we didn't talk much housing. about that in terms of high density. We tend to think of um, younger folks and you know, um, instead of senior just, living, instead of senior living, right? I mean, I think mm. a lot of the housing. If you ask um, Ebert, who is putting together this proposal for the lawn project, they built one in Delano, and um, they said the first wave of people to to rent lease up the place was people that lived in and around the downtown where the apartment was, I sort of think of it as um, the Steve King house, right? Uh, people like in housing stock like that mm -hmm. in the downtown area that would be nearby, all of a sudden decided, you know, that looks pretty attractive to me right across the street. I'd like to get out of this house that I've been taking care of and I'm in my 60s and 70s. I'm, I'm tired of trying to maintain this thing. They moved there and there was a nice influx then of affordable housing around it that was all of a sudden available, so even though they didn't build an affordable complex. And then they said the, the second wave of people was then sort of the millennial types, the young professionals, the school teachers, cops, those type of things that were in that middle income that were able to afford the rents um, and were still single and looking to um, you know, have a, a rental option. So it, it was interesting for them that they had that dichotomy of sort of downsizing folks um, and, and then another wave of millennials to fill the same building. So. Well, I, I could tell you from my perspective, um, and my husband and I aren't necessarily on the same page, uh, which I've mentioned in more than one time probably, but um, I would like to see some senior housing on our property that is in the middle of the residential housing instead of being put in commercial places and next to main roads and stuff like that. I'd like to see something built in the middle of a community where the trails go by and the city park is nearby and they can be incorporated in the same environment. And whether or not I or we can come to an agreement and find somebody who could create that situation for us. Um, and then of course it all depends on the zoning and what the city has. Uh, that's one thing that I'd like to see where we are. Um, you know, we're not near that yet, but in in the future at some point. So, um, as as I went through, you know, there's a lot of talk about affordability of of housing. So I got confused a little bit on page 53. This this these tables table 28 talks about percent of owner income spent on housing costs. And I don't know if that's us or is that like in general. 
because if it's us, we have, according to this, a whole lot of affordable housing if it's 30% or less being spent on. So I felt like we must be already at our affordable housing requirements because if this is us, we have a lot of our, right, percent of owner income spent on housing costs. 68, 64, 71%. It says lives in housing that's less than 30% of their cost, which would, means we got a whole bunch of affordable housing here, if that's what they're, I, I didn't understand. I, I do think, um, yeah, table 28, 27, see, look, oh, 27%, okay, the bet, page 52, table 28 says 27% on their homes spend more than 30%. I do think this is our data. Um, so wouldn't that tell you that we have a... We, we do. If you'll notice in, um, in here somewhere, there's a sort of a need table that says how many affordable units we need to produce. Yeah, that's on, it's just a little bit, I think it's this, that table 31 right next to it, isn't it? Affordability. No, we need 14. I, I right know here, what you're right talking here, about. Right we here, need yeah. 14. So need for units affordable uh, below 30% AMI. So AMI is the area-wide median income. Mm -hmm. So we need to produce nine of those. We need to produce four units at 31 to 50% and one over 80%. So this is kind of laughing, uh, laughable. This is a super low amount of affordable housing that we need. And it's reflective of the fact that we do have affordable housing. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at some of the housing stock in the north, the northeast part of town, um, there's there's a, houses that are, you know, even though they're several hundred thousand dollars, they're in the affordable range at this point. How do they measure nursing homes and assisted living? Um, I don't believe those are... Are they even calculated I in? I don't think so. No. But but the population is calculated in um, for density. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for our 5,000 population, right. they right. would be counted, I though, think right? I so, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, there is no requirement from Met Council to really produce any affordable units. Uh, this is the table here, but mm -hmm. even on this, I don't even know if this is even uh, reaches a level of requirement. Well, right below that, you see, then it says that council considers any housing development built at eight units per acre as a minimum would be considered affordable housing. Right. So basically any sort of high density. If you built the plan that we've all seen for Block 7 with those townhomes, that would be automatically included, included as affordable. All, all of it yeah. would be. In, in terms we, of what We have that other little requirement. Yep. But, but that, okay. Because I would assume that a lot of our goals, when we keep saying um, diversity and affordability and stuff like that, part of that is being uh, driven by Met Council requirements, too? Well, it would or be if this table was, had bigger numbers in it. Okay. But really, we're not being pushed by Met Council okay. to have anything like at, that. At this point. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I, th I think the biggest question is, is do we want, want 5,000? And if we want 5,000 then I think the way things are set up right now, you're close, but I think your idea of having to add high density gives this another location for high density that is more viable 
than what we've got right now um, is going to get you closer to that goal more quickly. Well, one thing I was going to add to that, Leonard, the population growth that has the potential to grow is, is our seasoned Senate citizens, and, and we do have an awful lot in the community to offer. Mm -hmm. That type of building also is, I think, perhaps an objective. Well, uh, you know, Ever since I went through with finding my mom housing and all that, when, when we were going through all that years ago, it just, the idea appealed to me that they wouldn't just walk out onto parking lots and streets and, and that they would be, it, it would just be of a, a nicer atmosphere and feel more of a community as opposed to uh, a, a park on the outskirts or edges like they typically yeah. are right now. Mm -hmm. Adopt-a-grandparent kind of. Well, <laughs> the neighbors would go walking by and wave the, hello or something, and the dogs would come and be fed in. It worked out pretty, but you had to do a little bit of homework to find the location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that Ling Bloomston community is really—I've been interested. That—that's been coming in. Um, I think it's only maybe, so maybe the second one in the state that they consider to be a uh, progressive lifestyle thing, and I don't really understand all the dynamics in it because you're buying sort of partially and but you're renting sort of partially. I haven't gone there and taken a look, but they've eaten up a pretty big chunk of land and I bet the density's pretty high there. So nice. Uh, Russ, I'm hoping you found this discussion tonight helpful because I, I think um, as we move forward, that question of the 5,000 population is what drives us either one direction or another. If uh, there's general agreement that um, we want to try and get to the 5,000, I think the comp plan and the downtown development documents um, are a roadmap for how we get there. If they're not committed to 5,000, then you're looking at doing a complete about face and redoing this document completely. back to that apartment that wanted to go on that north property there on 21st because that was being driven by the market I think but you know Amazon came in here if you guys remember and I see it every day when I was working I just retired but there's 600 jobs right at that Amazon and all the people that I was making contact with they were coming in there they were driving from all over the metro just for this job but I'm sure if they could have found some affordable rental property, they would rather live closer than driving 30, 40 minutes to go work at Amazon. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the, the stock and diversity to fill those jobs over there. So, I mean, 600 jobs, that's a lot. I mean, this, I saw somewhere in the study here it said that at one point we only had like 430 in the whole <laughs> city. Yeah. I mean, that like you know, yeah. almost double well, you're sure seeing they're spending the money around town. They mm -hmm. are. 
primarily the gas station. Gas station. But, <laughs> but, but somebody's making business on it, and they need to hire more people for ha to have the, more help, and so that, that trickles down. But we're, we're Centerville, and so there's not a whole lot that we have to offer besides to somebody like that, besides gas station. Um, and once you start developing the population a little bit more, if the goal is to get to that 5,000, that's when you're then going to begin getting recognized by some more of the commercial vendors who are looking at, you know, a small grocery store or um, office buildings or other things like that. I just think that population is what draws that, that business sector. Yeah, if you've got Blaine right now, you guys have been over at Lexington and 109th area. <laughs> they put up three, yeah. three huge apartment buildings. Huge. And now you see all the businesses going in there, like the restaurants are popping in there like crazy. So all that comes with the population and traffic. Chicken or the egg. I just thought it was interesting they moved Quick Trip from the corner, moving further south. Over oh, yeah. Lane. Mm -hmm. They used to sit in that corner of Lexington, Maine. Let me ask this question just to get a little bit of feedback, and I don't need to drag this on too much longer, but um, if, if it was sort of arrived at that 5,000 necessarily wasn't a driver for our the planning of our city, um, is the desire to have a downtown that thrives and has some retail and perhaps restaurant type um, amenities in it, is that a driver for um, the need for high density housing? In other words, um, I think the study by Loci <coughs> reconfirms with the downtown master plan. Remember the downtown master plan was done by Damon Farber. It was based on a, um, a study much like the Loci one uh, from McComas Frank Roos, um, which um, identified the idea that without additional high-density homes in the downtown area, retail just wasn't going to thrive at all. Yeah. And so the idea that downtown will attract businesses without some high-density housing in that area is sort of been reconfirmed a number of times. And so if even if we don't want to get to 5,000, is there a reason to put high-density housing in the downtown to have a vibrant downtown? Uh, the Bruce Thompson personal opinion is um, no. If the city council says 5,000 is not a goal, then to me it reaffirms we want to stay at 3,800, maybe go a little bit more. The Lalonde property, instead of a um, apartment building gets split into two lots and it's two, you know, one and a half million dollar houses that overlook the lake. Um, the only way you draw uh, the restaurant into downtown here is if the surrounding area grows, if uh, Lino Lakes grows, if Hugo grows even more, because those people will be willing to drive here for something different. Mm -hmm. Just like we drive there. Yep. Yeah. But then Centerville keeps their stop sign in the middle of downtown because we want to keep it at 3,800 to 4,000 people. Again, my personal opinion. 
See, Lionel drove us to take away our stop sign at Main and 20. Because he used to work in direct traffic there for Eagle Brook. And it was a four-way stop. And then when all that population started mm -hmm. coming in, and Lionel and the church, mm -hmm. they were one of the stoplights. Mm -hmm. So other communities around yeah. that can drive all that, too. That, that are driving. <coughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. Personally, do I need more retail? No, I'm not a big retail shopper. I, I can, uh, there's enough other options for me to live with that I like where I live, and I don't have to have it a half a mile from me. So for me, no, there wouldn't be need for any high density because we have enough around us already. So that's my person. What about you guys? I think so. I like your idea of yeah. senior apartments in your property. Yeah. <laughs> I know it does it well as somebody like a Prez Homes that goes in yeah. and they build a whole bunch of um, villas mm -hmm. that are single residents and then behind them are a couple of um, uh, um, double homes, mm -hmm. you know, side-by-sides mm -hmm. and then beyond that is a larger independent living apartment complex and then within that is the assisted living and memory care unit. So it's you, you when you get, when you get yeah. 65 years old, you move, you know, from your big rambler into a um, single family, um, like a townhome, townhome, mm -hmm. and then as you age a little bit more, you you know you, you need some assistance. You might want to move into the um, independent living apartments where you can get um, some services that come in periodically or perhaps your spouse passes away and you decide you want something smaller. So it's that, yeah. you know, that kind of stepping. Life cycle housing. Yeah. And you said Press Homes does that? Presbyterian Homes. Presbyterian okay, Homes gotcha. does that. Um, mm -hmm. St. Therese over in Woodbury uh, has, has got a, some similar stuff. Yeah. Is Waverly similar to that? Um, Waverly is... They have a different model. Yeah, they've... Um, They've got independent living, but then also assisted living and memory care, as I understand. Uh, the St. Teresa Woodbury has got um, independent living and assisted living and memory care. St. Teresa in, I want to say it's Eden Prairie is where they've got some of the independent living um, all around it as well. But again, what, what's nice about the senior living in Woodbury at the uh, St. Teresa facility is um, they've got a nice campus that's right there, but they're also a block away from a Jerry's grocery store. Mm -hmm. And so there's those kind of amenities that, you know, some of the people can still drive, and it's nice because they can drive, you know, a half a block away to the grocery store. Um, we don't have those kind of facilities here in Centerville. And so then it's a matter of, okay, you develop that area, but they've got to go across the freeway to get to the grocery store in Hugo. Yeah. But that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I work for an architecture firm that does a lot of that stuff, but it's all usually done independently. They usually have a developer that comes in or a client that they work with or who we work with, mm -hmm. and it's just one big large parcel. ends up all being senior housing. Well, my ideas have to get by Lionel Lakes, too. So, and I know Lionel has a park planned. 
Yeah. And roadways already planned and drawn in in the parcels. In the 40 Oh, acres? yes. They, oh. Have, they have ghost plots of our land already okay. with the roads running through it and so on. So they, but, yeah, anyway. So that, what about you? Would you, would you still want high density or apartment buildings if we weren't going to go to 5,000? Is uh, it still important to have restaurants and retail? Somewhat, but... I, if we could get it out on the fringer part, they we could have the higher density instead of right downtown. Mm -hmm. I guess it depends, even like the Lalonde property, it depends on what it looks like. So far, we haven't seen anything. How many units are? They were from 90 to 110. Okay. That's huge. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah, it is three-story with a fourth uh, tuck under garage, so tuck under plus three stories, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it's, hard, it's hard to talk in terms of, um, like you say, the look and the feel of it is, is going to be a big part of whether or not we think it's a good idea, right? Talking about high density can be scary, the word high density, and we talk about it, and then you start to think, oh, God. And then sometimes you look at, I mean, I, I think I point to the Eagle Brook Church offices, right? When that was proposed at first, I thought, yeah. oh, God, three stories, <laughs> not the center, but now you, look, yeah. you drive past it every day and you and go, nobody oh, even I don't know what's there, anymore. right? That um, wasn't to do. So, I mean, I think there's, it can be done right and it can be done in a way that doesn't feel obtuse. Um, and it can be done in a way that feels like, oh my gosh, what do we do? You know, can go many different directions. So. Yeah, because a prominent hilltop, it sits. Sits on overlooking the lake. Yeah. It will stick out. A little shadow of the school, but that's not a big deal. I think I think one thing that I understand or sort of uh, is is obvious to me is that we don't necessarily we don't represent the young and upcoming families that are here though yeah. that are looking for that that retail or the coffee shop or things like that. We're we're not. Uh, are you calling all of us old? Well, we're on the top side, I can say that much. How's that? <laughs> we're on. So, I, you know, I understand that I don't represent that, but it sure seems when you just keep... I hear it because everybody tells us not to go. Don't, re don't stop doing this. Don't, don't go away. Don't stop selling your vegetables. Don't, don't leave. Mm -hmm. And we hear that all the time, which tells me something about what those, at least to me, that's what I hear from people. You're close, that's why. I, and you're part of the community. So, it, it, you know, that's, that's why I kind of feel like the majority of people might not value that 5,000 number. But again, they don't know what it means financially. So, and without that knowledge, they can't really adequately I think make a decision. Have you been getting approached mm -hmm. by developers? Huh? Oh, all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Solar farms. Oh, yeah. Lots of solar farm. Um, one sent us something that had a lot of money written down on land rent, and I was like, "Whoa!" Well, now you're starting to talk my <laughs> language. That was the what the early letters we got were pretty paltry. You know, <coughs> leasing your land for. Did they do fifty or hundred year leases? Um, 20, 20. Oh, really? yeah. 25, 10 even, some of them. 
It's a big investment. On but there was a lot of discussion too. about what happens if it gets abandoned and how you get rid of it and, and what do you do with that. Um, but the most recent one we got actually had enough money on it that it made you okay, now that's... Well, some of those organizations, if they're done with it, they pull up shop, they take everything away. Yeah. Well, one would hope they... Yeah. Unless, I would, you unless would, they bankrupt. <laughs> that's yeah. true. So, a lot of cities that make them put money down like in an escrow for 20 years mm-hmm. um, to yeah. make sure that doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that the city or whoever decides it, that doesn't happen. Anyway, but we're not the... I, is that the direction you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, maybe we got a little too <laughs> narrow focused here, but certainly too, bag of we want to start to pain. think about other other things other than just the 5,000 in high density. Obviously, that's a big question mark here right now, and we've got proposals on the table and all that kind of stuff, so we, we do need to focus on it. But, um, yeah, other things too, right? I mean, is there... We need to, we were going to look at signs again, weren't we? Did we... Um, I thought we were going to look at signs again for some reason. I mean, I setbacks, so we said zoning we code. might look at setbacks we, we again. We do have, yeah, some of, those things, some of those things are a little bit more granular than the comprehensive plan. Oh, right? well, But I mean, sure. I think if you wanted to say, you know, we, we have that, our, our plan tells us we have affordable housing. How do we keep that affordable? How do we keep our neighborhoods from being gentrified, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Is there some relaxation of the rules on those neighborhoods we could identify that would help them stay affordable? Um, how do we keep them looking good? You know, have, yeah. we have um, programs that we can use our, our uh, HRA dollars to have low interest loans for fixing up your house or those type of things. Yeah. Um, so there's some things like that that are a little bigger picture, picture issues that we could dive into. Um, how do you maintain affordability if a lot of the home value is even around? Centerville are going up by a hundred thousand. Right, it's tough. Yeah, hundred and fifty. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think um, making sure that there's, um, you know, again, that we don't zone people out and, and say they can't do anything with their property. Um, and, you know, let them continue to be at the, the sort of the smaller setbacks and smaller lot sizes and that kind of stuff. <coughs> I think that's part of the changes that have come about in the last 25 years in particular is that that large suburban lot with the giant yard is is definitely going by the wayside and that to me maybe that and maybe we have that ability to do that because we do a PUD and we can readjust lot sizes and and setback requirements using the PUD tool that we already have. But that's, to me, where we have to recognize that, like you said, the younger ones aren't rushing out and buying giant, you know, 2,000 square foot houses because I want a tiny house. We could find a little area to put tiny, a have a tiny house community. We'd have, we'd have a request. I would. I'd love to have yeah, one. Yeah, we, we had a request for that the other day, actually, just yes. about co-location of a tiny house on yes. a residential lot. So. I think that's... On an existing lot? Yeah, uh, on a, with a principal structure already on it, right? Because they put another house on it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. what are they calling them in California? They're, they have a name in California. It's for like the parents to move into and the kids right. to move into mm-hmm. the bigger house and they're calling there's a name. We gotta Interesting. 
It's, it's a trend now in California that they're doing that a lot. Well, it must be the opposite of the mother-in-law's party. Yeah, kind of is. Yeah, they're. Yeah, they're just doing it with a little tiny house in the backyard. So, so anyway. All right. So right. tell us if you if if you want five thousand and we'll help you guide it. <laughs> yeah. <from there. laughs> Simple yes no answer. <laughs> Ready to move on? I am, yep. Now let's move on to the approval of minutes, October minutes. Did everybody get a chance to look through those? Yeah, I don't, I didn't see any anything. changes or mm -mm. adjustments. Mm -hmm. Where'd it go to? <coughs> there are none, so one can make a motion. Make a motion that we approve the prior month meeting minutes with no changes. I'll second that. Any further discussion? Okay, all in favor say aye. 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 All opposed? All right, um, moving on to announcements and updates. Council Member Koski. Sure, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I guess first off, I want to uh, publicly uh, congratulate you, sir, on your retirement. Um, I believe, what is it? Yes. 27 years? 27 years. 27 years. And I don't know what my issue is. John and I apologize. I did not know of your retirement gathering and your function there, and I apologize that I was not there. I don't know, Mark, where I'm missing the boat on some of these things, but I am missing the boat. Um, and i got to do something, or you guys got to maybe somehow help me do something about that. But I said something to the mayor, too, and he's like, it was all over the place. I'm like, where? <laughs> I don't go on Facebook a lot. So, you know, that's kind of one of my things. But, John, uh, God bless you. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so very, very much for all your service. Love you guys in uniform and gals in uniform and all that stuff. You guys just do wonderful things, and, and you put yourselves on the line every day you go out there. You never know what every day is going to bring. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, I for one appreciate it, and I think everybody in our community does. So God bless you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, Bruce, on your comment uh, uh, that, that you hope I was listening, and believe me, <laughs> I, I was listening. And <clears throat> there is a lot more and a lot of layers to this whole thing and that need to be peeled back a little bit. You talk about what's the money, Linda, and I just did some really quick math and it's hard to put a number on it, but 150 bucks a household, just that's what the 300 grand would bring. Okay, is that enough? But then you got to also figure in it's going to add to the um, tax base or to the tax capacity of our community. Mm -hmm. Every new home you put in here is going to add to the tax base, and 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 you know it's difficult to put a number. So we talk about 15, and I don't want to get in and go down a rabbit hole here, but you talk about 15,000 cars before retail starts to look at it, adding 550 to 647 homes, is that going to get you 4,000 more cars? Because we're at 11 now. Is that going to get you 4,000 more? I, I don't know how. That's not enough. So it's really, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. And... Uh, I'll say it, and, and Mark will kind of, I think, get on me a little bit sometimes about the political will to do certain things, and I work with people that live here, bottom line, and, and if the people want it, I'll definitely support it, because much like you guys, I can see it either way. There is pluses and minuses to it all the way, but that is why I talk about having these discussions. I work for you people too, right? So, and I work for me, I work for my neighbors. And so these discussions are really, really important, really, really important what we want our community or city to look like. So 
Thank you very much for bringing that up and all this great discussion tonight. Much appreciated. I did want to mention I attended um, the local Anoka County local government meeting last week, and um, that is something the Anoka County does every quarter for the elected officials in the cities within Anoka County. And um, we heard from the sheriff, we heard from uh, John Creasel on veteran services, we had a presentation on the integrity of our uh, voting um, machines and our voting process, that was kind of interesting. And so, um, and again, I'm, I'm missing the boat on something, but our uh, county uh, administrator, Noka County Administrator, Rhonda Savaraja, is retiring at the end of the, uh, I think at the end of January. I did not know that either. <laughs> I, I mean, I heard she was talking about it, but I did not know she had made the announcement. Somewhere I missed that one too, but I knew she was talking about it. So uh, congratulations to her and um, for her years as county commissioner and serving as the administrator at uh, Noka County. She certainly appreciate that. Um, so is there a new commissioner that wants to step into her? She's there. not a commissioner, she's the administrator. No, yeah, but she, she was, was a kind of like Yeah, yeah she yeah, was. We, we, there's already someone in that spot that's um, Commissioner Reinhardt from um, former Lionel Lakes mayor is in her position on the board. On the commission, commission. but yeah. he's saying the administrative position, oh, who's going there? there? Oh, is there a commissioner who wants to step in? <laughs> Sorry. It's, a, it's, okay. a, it's actually a funny comment. Uh, uh, I think you'll, you'll find out more about that coming. There's, there's, some, there's some political upheaval over there that's, it, it, that will come down the pike here. It's so. all going to be very interesting, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I didn't get much comment when I asked for some comment after that <laughs> meeting. So, yeah. um, And I, yeah, I mentioned there was some John Creasel and Veteran Services. That's always an interesting thing to attend is at Anoka County a local government meeting. Then, um, you know, I think that's all I had written down here that I got on my scribbles. So uh, thank you very much. We have a city council meeting will be a week from tomorrow, starting at five o'clock for a work session, right? Correct. And going until about 10.30. Yeah. budget work session? What? Part, part of it will be, it's just our normal work session, yeah. but um, part of it will be on the final budget. Yeah. Yeah, all right, administrative report, Mark. You know, it's getting late. I won't belabor anything here. Hopefully, we can check one of these little circles off and um, mm -hmm. have the council appoint Miss <laughs> Kalina, and um, we'll be on our way. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot else that I uh, need to go over. I think we're kind of um, take any questions. We this was the event we attended today, this real estate summit. We had a nice turnout for our, our business appreciation event. That was a well-run event at Kelly's. And um, seeing a lot of trees come down, it seems we like. We have been cutting a fair amount of trees down. I think that's one of those realities of the um, ash, ash borer. Actually, not all of them are ash trees, though, too. We've just been dealing with dead and dying trees. Maybe people are paying more attention to them these days or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, we've been doing a fair amount of that work around town. Have the money that was allocated has been used or applied for? Or yeah, we haven't um, applied for any of that grant money. It's it's really for um, replacing trees. Most of the ones we're cutting down, we're not necessarily replacing. Okay. Most of them we're cutting down are in wooded areas that will easily regenerate and be okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's also for sort of cities that want to carte blanche take all the <coughs> ash trees down, which I just think is silliness at this point, um, because we're not going to stop the spread at this point, and so I'm not sure what the point of cutting healthy trees down is. David told me that somebody out over on the lake cut down 12 trees. Yeah. He was discussing what that bill must have looked like. I mean, at some point, I get the fact that the ash borer is going to get to them, mm-hmm. and we will have to cut them down, but I don't realize why, I don't understand why we would cut them down prematurely. I'd, I guess to I guess to start growing a new tree. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it is doesn't any, seem like it makes sense. Is there any grants out there for just normal homeowners if they've lost trees? I didn't. We did. I mean, but he, yeah, for um, the somebody that cut trees. Yes, there are. My um, large. <coughs> so, I should say that we have a not a grant program, but a, um, a preferred vendor to do that. Uh, Rainbow mm. Tree has been okay. listed as a preferred vendor. I don't know about grants for individual property owners to um, take down ash trees, but... No, no, it's just that if you have one that goes down, or has to go down, if there's anything out there for replanting. Yeah, I I don't know off the top of my head if there is anything out there. Um, you know, certainly uh, a quick Google search could find it if there's anything like that um, mm-hmm. at the state level. I, I think it's more um, municipality-oriented stuff, so... Um, You know, the police governing board uh, has, uh, we're going to be approving, we've got a special meeting coming up here to approve the patrol union contract, so that's good news. Um, hopefully wrap that up shortly here. And um, our fire department had some nice uh, honorees the other night at our council meeting, had some promotions acknowledged and that kind of thing, so we're in a good spot with our fire department and our police department, and when that is the case, all is well, right? So. Uh, Max Storage is wrapping up their construction. You saw that they got their uh, parking lot paved just in the nick of time and uh, putting their garage doors on, and we'll get a certificate of occupancy pretty soon here. Nice. So spread the word, help those guys get that thing leased up, and um, hopefully it'll be a successful piece of our industrial park there. So They're looking for primarily tradespeople? You know, um, yeah, I think one of the things, you know, one of the owners is a food truck operator, and okay. his primary goal for his little unit is going to be to store his two or three food trucks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is anything from literally mini storage, except it's bigger mini storage, mm-hmm. to, yes, a trade office, like a, a plumber, electrician, HVAC mm-hmm. contractor. As long as you don't have to have customers coming in and out, um, and you're not manufacturing anything inside then it's probably a good spot for you. We're hoping people who are outgrowing their garage, right, people who are, you know, a small-time contractor can't, doesn't want to work out of the home anymore, mm-hmm. needs a place to muster up in the morning and tell people where they're going and what they're doing, this is a great place for that. Yeah. So. And that is all I have, unless there are further questions. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm to make a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Motion carries.